Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony, just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out, and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below. LinkedIn presents. You know, a lot of companies now are starting to see that, you know, these these soft skills or these, these kind of skills that you learn outside of the classroom or outside of college are very valuable if, if they're used correctly kind of thing. And, they, and then they kind of go for that. They need people who think outside the box. And usually those people aren't the ones with, uh, you know, bachelors or masters and stuff like that. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you, don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends, invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. Today, I have a very special guest, international. His name is Rami. Can you introduce yourself? Hey, how you doing? Yeah, my name's Rami. Uh, at the moment, I um, do a couple of things. The day job is I'm a uh, renewal sales representative for a cybersecurity company. I also have a uh, passion project on the side uh, where me and my uh, business partner are uh, building a constellation of AI uh, bots to uh, decode and decipher uh, ancient history. Wow, that is freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, the idea came about um, in Twitter, actually, in Twitter spaces. We were talking about AI and stuff, and we kind of just came up with the idea of, you know, why don't we use uh, AI to to decode some of these mysteries of the past, like, you know, who built the Barbar Caves or the pyramids or, um, you know, stuff like that kind of thing. So uh, it kind of took off and blossomed from there, and we, uh, we built uh, quite a solid network on Twitter of different researchers and, you know, programmers and stuff like that. And, and it just kind of blossomed, uh, blossomed from there. So it's, it's quite an exciting, uh, quite an exciting project. Yeah. Excited to see the development. Now, what would you say is your blueprint for success? My blueprint for success really is you, you need to be hungry, right? You need to be passionate. You, you need to work harder than anyone else. Uh, I, th- I think, I think that kind of goes um, hand in hand with the successes that I've had. Being able to think outside the box and push uh, in directions that people may not have thought of before kind of thing. And I think that kind of comes with the territory of having to figure stuff out for yourself. Um, you know, not having a, uh, a degree, so to speak, or, or, or anything like that can be a detriment in some ways, but it's also a benefit in some ways because it, it allows you to kind of be able to find different ways and different methods of reaching your goals. So I think that's that's really important. Uh, being able to think for yourself and, and and find your own way is a really important skill to have. 
So how much does someone with your background make? Well, my range uh, for my salary is between um, in English pounds, uh, between 80 to 110, 115K a year, something like that. So okay. I, I suppose 100 to 120, $125,000, something. UK salaries are a little different because you have healthcare and other support systems that the US doesn't have. So that's one thing to really know. So now let's take it back. How was high school like for you and what did you want to be in high school? Oh, in high school, I wanted to be a rock star. You know, I um, spent all my time uh, learning guitar. I've actually got my my guitar there, uh, singing and stuff like that. I actually left because uh, I was born and raised in Egypt. I uh, went to high school, well, went to school there. I had to leave, unfortunately, Egypt when I was uh, just finishing the ninth grade. I got, got into, uh, you know, the old regime there wasn't great. And um, I came to the UK as a uh, political refugee. Uh, and just started life here at 15, just kind of threw myself into it, started working uh, bars, nightclubs, restaurants kind of thing and, and, and finding my way. Throughout my 20s, I had a band, you know, and just, just wanted to do music and, and, and rock and roll and stuff, which I did for, for quite a long time. And then I kind of started, um, you know, wanting to make money. So I hit about 28, 29. I uh, started my first business uh, on my own. It was a uh, supplement business, so supplement manufacturing. I went into that, um, quite successful. I took it from you know zero to 250K a year uh, within the first uh, couple of years. I did that for about four years. And then I wanted to just go into, I wanted to really go into cyber and um, and like the corporate world and try my hat at that. You know, that's when I started applying for, you know, some of the big name companies and stuff. Uh, got my first job in renewals uh, with a company called OpenText. Uh, and I just haven't looked back since, really. So I, I worked my way up uh, through that, and, and I've been doing that ever since, five years now. So how was it breaking in without a college degree? Well, to be honest, it wasn't uh, easy, but I knew that as soon as I got my foot in the door, as soon as I got to that first interview, that I would be able to to show them my my kind of uh, value. And, and, I, and I did, you know. I think interviewing itself is a, is a skill that you kind of need to practice. So I was taking any and every interview that I could get, even if it was jobs I wasn't qualified for and that I, I never expected to get, just so I could practice uh, interviewing. Because one of the things that I uh, focused on a lot in my life is, is my people skills, my interpersonal skills. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if I didn't spend the four years at college, then I should spend those four years uh, on myself, right? Um, uh, honing my own skills. And one of my skills was always being able to, to connect with people, being able to, to talk to people. So I knew as soon as I got uh, in the door, I'd be able to at least, um, you know, wow them enough to, to be able to do that. And my first job, you know, I was up against people with bachelor's degrees, people with uh, experience and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I managed to get the the job ahead of all of those people, and I think that's down to to being able to to talk to people and be able to, being able to communicate. You know, and um, you know, within my first few months of uh, working there, even though I'd never been in the industry before, never knew anything about uh, cyber or contract renewals or anything like that. You know, I was one of the top uh, three performers uh, every quarter. So you know, how'd you get the interview? You know, that was, uh, that was uh, a, a mission in itself. You know, basically it was um, a, a long process of, you know, sending CVs out, making sure my CV was up to scratch, um, uh, calling, chasing up, stuff like that. I mean, the job that I eventually, the first job that I eventually got, um, you know, I think I'd applied for that job about four or five times over a period of a year. Um, just you know, constantly uh, calling the recruiter, calling the, uh, the HR department um, until they until I got that first interview. I mean, it's all about getting your foot in the door, right? And the network that you build. So I think one of the things that I did was I went to, um, 
and this goes to you know thinking outside the box as well. One of the things I did was I went to LinkedIn. I found the people who are working at that company, uh, looked them up, saw if they had uh, Twitter profiles and stuff like that, and then eventually went and connected with them on Twitter and started talking to them and got my name known within the the, the right circles, you know, within that company kind of thing. And then they were the ones who kind of pushed me forward when when the job role came back up. Um, you know, it was about seven months later or something like that. And then that's what got me the uh, the first interview. And I think, yeah, that that kind of you know thinking outside of the 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 box of you know rather than just applying and waiting and hoping that someone will call you back and taking a proactive approach really did help me in uh, getting that first job. Now let's go back to the nightclub era because a lot of times people will do those jobs, but they get out. But you learn a lot through those jobs. So how was it working those jobs? Well, I mean, those are the jobs that really taught me um, how to talk to people, how to connect with people, right? And I always use this in interviews because with interviews, I always ask basically the similar questions, but in different ways. And one of the questions is, you know, always about negotiation skills, like, you know, how do you deal with hard negotiations or stuff like that? And I always uh, tend to go, um, well, you know, Having worked in bars and nightclubs, there's nothing that teaches you negotiation skills like uh, having to negotiate with a drunk person at the end of the night when they want one more drink and you have to kick them out kind of thing. So it's, uh, you know, it does help um, with your interpersonal skills and, and being able to deal with uh, multiple different personality types and, and stuff all through the night kind of thing. So it's, it's, it is a, a valuable um, soft skill, I think they call it. Uh, that you can't yeah. teach in a classroom and you can't you can't learn about anywhere else. You have to just do it. And I think um, a lot of people kind of shy away from from highlighting those skills on their CV. But I, I kind of lean into it. You know, every every job that you've had, every kind of experience you've had has has given you some kind of uh, uh, skill or knowledge that that you can use. Um, you know, to push you forward in whatever career you want. Just depends on how you frame. Yeah, no, no. It's all about being creative. What's something else? So you learned how to negotiate. What else did you learn? Well, I learned how to. Um, I learned how to deal with people at their at their most vulnerable. I'm, I learned how to deal with people at their their worst, at their best. As you know, in 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 that world, when there's alcohol involved, you know, people become all sorts of different emotional uh, states. Right? They, yeah. they they're they're either volatile or they're extremely happy or they're extremely angry or, or stuff like that so you have to kind of calm situations down uh it is a lot of high stress and you know the, it's it's very fast moving it's very fast paced you know uh by comparison the corporate world uh negotiation tables are are, are quite easy compared to to, to that because you're, you're dealing with multiple people at the same time who are at different levels there's loud music there's a lot of you know pressure on you and and you're obviously having to attend to, to other people at the same time Whereas, you know, if you're in a negotiation or if you're in a, in, a, in a sales meeting or something like that, everything's very focused on the actual issue at hand. You're not having to deal with, you know, multiple uh, issues at the same time. So it's it's almost like a juggling act, right? You you kind of learn how yeah. to uh, to deal with, uh, um, you know, multiple things at the same time under high high stress situations, which is, it's, a, it's, a, it's an invaluable skill, you know? Yeah. Now, how'd you adjust to the corporate environment? <laughs> Well, I always thought I had I had a natu- natural ability to to sell anyway, right? So if I believe in something or if I believe in what I'm doing, I can sell it. Uh, you know, I can I can talk people uh, into you know my way of uh, uh, thinking. It, it was an adjustment. The main adjustment that I had to make was um, the corporate world has a very specific way that it uh, speaks, that it uh, handles itself, and stuff like that, which is fine. And the people that I was working with that did have degrees, for example, they 
they fit that mold perfectly, right? But, and this isn't to their detriment or anything, but 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 it's very cookie cutter uh, how they're taught to deal with certain situations, how they're taught to deal with certain things. So when somebody like me comes along who has a skill set, but approaches it in a different way, they almost don't, they don't expect it, right? So, you know, the way that I would deal with, um, for example, being in renewals, you're having to chase people for, for, for money, right? So you're having to chase people for their POs or companies or, you know, chasing big corporations and stuff like SME to, to, to big companies, um, uh, for that kind of stuff. So they expect a certain way of, of doing things. And when you do it in a different way, as long as you're doing it respectfully and, and, um, you know, you're not, you're not out of, uh, out of line. They, they, it's, it's almost like a pleasant surprise for them to deal with somebody that isn't just, you know, for lack of a better word, a cookie cutter with how they, with how they kind of approach these, uh, problems. Like, for example, if there's an account where, uh, the decision maker, for example, you can't get hold of, most people would just keep sending emails and, and, and kind of hope for the best, or at most, you know, go onto LinkedIn and find, uh, uh, the person or the person's manager and chase up the the getting the uh, the PO that way, whereas I would um, chase them up on LinkedIn. There was one case, for example, where I ended up I couldn't get hold of the decision maker at all. They'd left the company, and the company wasn't telling me who the new person was. I finally got the name of the new person. Couldn't get hold of him on LinkedIn. Ended up finding his wife on Facebook and uh, messaging her and saying, you know, I really need to speak to your husband about this PO. It's going to be late by tomorrow and there's late fees attached and all this kind of stuff. And the guy got hold of me last minute and we were able to uh, to get his uh, PO paid um, before it went through. But yeah, so, you know, having to think like that or outside the box kind of thing is is a, is a valuable skill to have in, in this world. And I think a lot more companies are starting to see it now. You know, a lot of companies now are starting to see that, you know, these these soft skills or these these kind of skills that you learn outside of the classroom or outside of college are very valuable if if they're used correctly kind of thing and, they, and then they kind of go for that they need people who think outside the box and usually those people aren't the ones with uh you know bachelors or masters and stuff like that why'd you end up leaving like what was the big reason that you left the the nightclub bartending scene uh money <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, you can, you know, I was young and, and, you know, you can, you can kind of survive on those kind of wages for, for a while. But, um, you know, when I hit about 27, I had my, uh, my, my daughter. I was at the time, you know, doing bar work, uh, nightclub work, um, and I had the band as well. Um, but still, you know, it was all, it wasn't uh, financially driven. It was more, you know, all kind of passion kind of thing. You know, I wanted to, to play music and, and that's kind of all I wanted to do. And then when my daughter came around, I was like, right, well, it's time to, to grow up in a sense and and kind of get serious with stuff. That's when I started my first company. I did that for a few years, and then after that, I just I, I wanted to go into corporate. I wanted something. I wanted more. Basically, I, I wanted to see how far I could uh, uh, take me with with my own skill set and de- develop and grow as a person and, and and work my way up. And that's brought me to you know where I am today. You know, I've been in uh, uh, cybersecurity now for about five six years. And at the same time, obviously starting this, this new company, uh, at the same time, you know, so I work now, I work remote fully, uh, from home so I can work from anywhere. It allows me to travel, allows me to spend more time with my kid. And it allows me the time to, to be able to, to work on, you know, passion projects such as the, the AI Argo, which is, um, the company that I've just started with, um, my colleague. How much would you say you made during those years where you're doing all that, the nightclub, the bartending and all that? Oh, it was a uh, minimum. I mean, you know, I was on, um, UK money, probably like 20 K 25, 30 most, 
something like that. Yeah. You know? It was okay, but it wasn't it wasn't enough to be, you know, comfortable, comfortable kind of thing. So you know, I was I was much more ambitious than that. Um, you know, I, when I was doing the music, that was a kind of aim of the music kind of thing. But you know, it's hard to to make a living off of music unless you're at the at the top top levels kind of thing. And um, yeah, you know, once the kid came around, it was like, well, I don't have time to to wait. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, with the music business, there's a luck factor. Like some of the most talented people that you come across, and they never get discovered. Oh, and yeah. then sometimes because someone's in the right place, the right person discovers them. It's just it's just the nature of the business, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah exactly. And I wanted to take the luck factor out of it. I, I really wanted to to be yeah. in charge of my own uh, my own luck, for example, you know, so to speak. Yeah. No, I mean that's cool. So now, what were some other things that you did to move up? So obviously, you learned, you worked harder than everyone else. What else did you do to move up? I read as much as I could. You know, I would read um, everything from uh, 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 Tony Robbins' books to, uh, you know, uh, Brian Tracy to time management to uh, like the four-hour work week and and stuff like that. And just kind of tried to get as much, uh, put myself in a mindset of that entrepreneurial spirit as as much as I could, right? And there's a lot of of good books out there, a lot of good writers and stuff as well, but not get too um bogged down in the details so take the best from them and and kind of actually apply them because it, i think it could be easy to to just go from book to book to book to book expecting yeah. eventually expecting something to happen but you're the one who needs to make it happen right you need you need to eventually apply those uh, uh skills or apply those um uh, methods to your own life as you kind of go along you know it's it's uh sometimes you can you can become um crippled by by the just just constant analysis and constant kind of uh, uh reading so it, it's important to kind of educate yourself and with with the internet nowadays with everything this it's all there right youtube yeah. uh every everything is there all you, all the knowledge that you need is uh is right there and obviously with the with the advent of ai now and stuff like that chat gpt and stuff i mean chat gpt helped me with my my last interview for example this job that i've just gotten my new job now i got i started about two weeks ago, something like that, you know, I, I, I let it help me with the, the interview process. So I put in the company and I made it research the company itself. And I, and I said to it, okay, I'm having this interview. Here's the person I'm having it with, uh, look the person up and give me some pointers of, of, uh, just tidbits that I can actually say in the interview to, to like, to wow them, to impress them. And it's become so easy now to, to, but you, you need to apply it. You need to apply it, uh, yourself kind of thing. And that, Again, that goes to thinking outside the outside the box. I mean, I had I had ChatGPT open while I was having the uh, Zoom call with the uh, the director of the company, and I had um, pointers about the stuff that he'd already done because the, the 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 bot had had looked them up. So, you know, I used those kind of pointers in the interview. So the tools are there. You just need to think of creative ways to to use them to to help yourself get ahead. Because trust me, there. The people who are out there with degrees, the people who are out there with bachelors and stuff, they they not they're not using these things in uh, in their interviews, and so their interviews become um, forgettable, right? And you, you want to yeah, monotonous, monotonous, exactly. You know, if as a hiring manager or as somebody that's going through, let's say, 10, 15, 20 applicants a day, you know, nineteen of them are going to be exactly the same because they've all learned how to interview exactly the same way, right? So you need to stand out in in, in some way or another. And and again, that goes down to to being um, uh, thinking on your feet and being being creative with it, right? You know. Look, I love that. I love that creativity. Was there anything you struggled with in corporate? The lingo. They speak in a very certain way, 
And for me, I wasn't used to that at all. I was really rough uh, around the edges when it came to how I uh, spoke or how I kind of dealt with people. Not not rough as in, you know, that yeah. bad, but, but there, there is a very specific way that they kind of speak to each other. I think if you can mix that with your own personality as well and not get carried away and make that your personality, because I feel like a lot of the people in corporate, they make that who they are, right? So they become that, that kind of... Uh, they become almost like a walking embodiment of their CV, uh, of their uh, resume, you guys call it. And and then that becomes like the, the culture. So I think if you can mix that and then still keep that kind of uh, um, part of yourself that that was hungry enough for it to get it on your own rather than go through those motions, I think that's, that's how you stand out, right? Because again, you know, with... Um, and this isn't a detriment to anybody who has a degree or anything like that, but when you do, it, you're, you're taught a very specific way to speak to people, a very specific way to problem solve, and, and it becomes very uh, samey. So if you can succeed in that world outside of that box, you will stand out, and you'll stand out even more so than people that do have these degrees and stuff because, you know, you're, you're coming at it from a completely different angle, and, you're be- and you'll, become, you'll be more successful. As I said in my first company, um, within a few months, I was one of the top uh, performers in my department, uh, same with the second company that I started in. I was closing, uh, you know, hundred between 108 to 115 percent of my target every quarter, uh, and it was just because of um, how I approached problems compared to everybody else who might have done it in the same way, kind of thing. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've made? <laughs> um, let's see. I think when I first started applying, I didn't t- uh, respect the interview process uh, enough. Um, so the first few jobs that I was applying for, I was just trying to showcase my talents and my skills rather than respecting the fact that interviewing itself is a skill, right? So being able to, to do a good interview is a, is a skill in itself. And I had to kind of relearn and re uh, shift my, my, my focus when it came to that. So, you know, usually interview processes for corporate are going to be either three or five interviews. Um, sometimes you have a presentation to give at the end or like a live role play kind of thing where they, they put you in a situation where they pretend to be a client and you have to kind of, uh, uh, close a deal or stuff like that. And once I shifted focus to that, it became a lot easier after a while because it's, it's, again, it's repetitions, right? Some, some people say, oh, you know, 10,000 hours, to master a skill, I don't think it is. I think it's 10,000 reps, right? So it's just repetitions. Um, and you always know your first interview is going to be softball questions, usually a recruiter or something like that. And, and, and they're usually selling you the job anyway. So it's not really an interview. And then the second interview will be your kind of like the first gatekeeper, usually the person who is going to be your direct manager. Um, and then, you know, the third interview is the person above them. And the fourth interview is, you know, usually the, either a panel um, and you give a presentation or it's the, the, you know, the director of your department kind of thing. So it gets harder as you kind of step up, but again, it's, it's a skill that you, you need to hone and, and master. And the only way to do it is to, to go through the repetition. So I, once I figured that out, I started applying for every and all kind of jobs that I could on LinkedIn, on, you know, uh, um, all the, the like Indeed and all those kind of uh, websites, um, even for jobs I didn't want, just because I wanted the practice of being able to put myself into uncomfortable positions, right? Uh, in, in Into a position where I knew nothing about the role, knew nothing about the job, but just, just see how I kind of did in those. And I think that, that skill of being able to be comfortable putting yourself in uncomfortable positions uh, and getting through it is is, an, is a valuable, valuable thing to learn. And I think from that, 
that I was I was able to eventually kind of you know uh, get through it. I mean, even 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 when I was at my first job at OpenTax or when I moved on to uh, Ivanti was the second job I had, and now I'm in my new place. But even while I was in those jobs, I was still taking interviews. Um, even though I didn't really, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't looking, looking for a job. And that kind of took the pressure off of um, needing to to do really well because I already had a job and I wasn't really looking, but I, I wanted the practice. I wanted to keep sharp. It's like, it's like playing guitar, right? I mean, you, you could know how to play guitar, but if you put the guitar down for a year and don't touch it, once you pick it up again, you're going to be rusty, right? So to keep sharp, you need to keep practicing. So, so I would, I would still take interviews and I would still practice my, my interview skills. And that was something that I kind of, uh, I didn't do in the beginning, and I and I kind of learned uh, eventually that 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 is just as important as um, anything else because it's, the interview is the most important thing, right? So as soon as you get into the job, then you can start learning uh, about what you're doing and stuff like that. But it is one of the most important things in the beginning is to be able to to know how to interview properly. What would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Being able to take so I've had this is my third startup now that I'm uh, doing outside of uh, uh, the corporate world. Uh, being able to take something from zero to 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 you know six figures uh, in a short amount of time, I think is is something that I'm 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 quite proud of. I mean, the first supplement business I had, uh, I did that within the first six months. I went from zero to having six or seven clients uh, that I was selling white label to. The second uh, startup was a uh, 3D printing business that I came on board with um, somebody who who had just started. So he was a one man band, started that. Took him from zero to eventually uh, making uh, 3D printed parts for Formula One cars. Uh, you know, they're, they're testing uh, cars and stuff like that. And then the same thing, well, hopefully the same thing with the AI Argo. We started this project five weeks ago, and we're already at the point where, you know, we're, we're approaching uh, a point now where, you know, launch is imminent and we have the, the you know, the, we have a top tier team of, of researchers and we're building out a team of uh, uh, bot developers, data scientists, and stuff like that. So it's it's being able to take something and move quickly towards towards uh, making it uh, profitable as, as possible. And then that relates to in corporate as well. It relates to the jobs that I'm doing. Is being able to jump into something, learn quickly enough, and push forward. So it's learning and and achieving at the same time. So you know, I, I'm I'm. I've gotten to the point now where I'm quite good at, um, you know, being able to learn a system and then as I'm learning it, be able to to sell it, so to speak, uh, at the same time until I'm at the point where I, I know enough about it that I can sell it fluently, for example. So let's go back to the nightclub stuff. Mm-hmm. What's something a lot of people don't realize about, you know, working in that environment? Because from the outside, it may seem like, cool, you're having fun. Yeah. What are some things that people just don't realize you, you work long, long hours. It's a very physically demanding job because you're running around for maybe 8, 10, 12 hours a day. You don't have a, a um, it's hard to have a life outside of that because you're working nights. You'll get home about four, five, six in the morning. You go to sleep, you wake up, you go straight back to, you know, you might have a couple of hours, you go straight back to work. Uh, you don't have weekends at all, right? Because weekends are always working. It is quite a stressful uh, job. You know, I mean, it looks fun because you you are out having fun. So, you know, you, you assume that the people working there, is, they're just having fun every night. But, you know, it's like anything, right? You know, if you go to your favorite restaurant, you think the, the meals are amazing. 
Uh, but the people that work yeah. there, for example, might not uh, think the same way, right? I remember when I was younger, really young, I thought, oh, you know, McDonald's is amazing. Working here must be get great. You get <laughs> yeah. McDonald's every day. <laughs> but then you work there, I guess, and, and it's a completely different story, right? So um, it's the same thing with nightclubs. You know, people don't realize the amount of work that goes into those uh, those kinds of jobs. But again, they, I, I would, um, if you're just starting out or if you're young, I would highly recommend going into those kind of industries because, again, it's going into um, you're putting yourself in a difficult position and, and learning how to deal with uh, uncomfortable situations. And you're not getting paid. I mean, in, in the UK, for example, the, the money is, is uh, better, um, you, you know, uh, in the service industry than America, for example, because we don't have the tipping culture here. So people don't tip that much. Uh, so the wages are better kind of thing. But again, it's it's a hard job for uh, very little pay, but what it does teach you uh, are invaluable skills that you can kind of take um, throughout life, whether it be in your everyday dealings with people or your relationships or anything like that, because it forces you to speak to to people um, constantly, right? So, so you're having to you're having to kind of connect and 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 speak to to all kinds of different people at all different levels um, uh, consistently, and 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 that's a that's a skill that you you can't learn anywhere else. So I'd highly recommend it for anybody who's young and starting uh, starting out in life. Now this one will be a little tougher. What would you say was one of the hardest things you went through? I guess adapting to coming to the UK from Egypt at such a young age um, growing up in Egypt is it's a it's it's a third world country and it's it's a very different place uh, than here and I had to leave um, at 15 um, you know I came to the UK with a suitcase a guitar and like 50 pounds in my pocket right so I came with yeah. almost nothing and it was sink or swim and I think I've, I've always kind of lived my life like that kind of thing you know I wouldn't recommend it for everybody but the whole kind of uh the best way to success is is burn the boats so you have no other option but success um i don't think that's the best for everybody but it, it did work for me once i have no other option uh, that's that's when at my best because i know it's you know how it's it's survival right so it, it taught me a lot about that and uh those first few years were were really hard you know I was lucky enough that when I got here, I just, I literally got off the, the plane and, and went into central London. And I found within the first um, three or four days, I found a, a bar job that had a live-in position, they call it. So they, you work in the bar and you have, they, they give you a room upstairs to like live in. Uh, and I did that for the first year while I kind of just adjusted to the uh, culture shock and the, the, the complete change of everything. I mean, you know, coming from Egypt, man, it, it rains one day every four years. And came and came to England, it's sunny one day out of every four years. So it, it was, uh, it's a completely different uh, um, everything, environment, uh, culture, weather, food, everything. So it, it took me a while to kind of adjust. Now, I think I'm very, it, it's made me very good at uh, dealing with change quickly, like adjusting to massive, massive change quickly. So if something happens, for example, like there's been times in my life where I've lost my job and, uh, you know, had to find something quick. Otherwise I couldn't pay the rent and I've had to switch industries um, quickly. Like for example, going from bar work, you know, one of the, one of the last bar jobs I got made redundant or made redundant. And, you know, basically they were like, well, we're, yeah. we're, we're getting rid of most of our staff. So you have to go and I had to pay rent within, you know, I had three weeks basically to find something else and get paid enough to be able to afford my rent. And I went from that bar job straight into construction work. So I found a construction job and, and ended up doing that. But again, it's doing what is necessary. I mean, this construction job, I wasn't driving at the time. 
and the job was about 12 miles away and I had to do I had to do 12 miles on a bicycle to then do a, a 10 hour shift of hard labor and then uh, you know 12 miles back and I remember um, it was it was a job where you got paid uh, bi-weekly so every every two we- uh, every two yeah. weeks you get your paycheck and I was you know flat broke for the first two weeks while I was going back and forth and after after about four days of cycling it took me like an hour and a half to cycle there and then the 10 hour shift and an hour and a half to cycle back after four days somebody stole my bike seat right and i couldn't, oh, I man. couldn't yeah <laughs> i couldn't afford another one so i had to do the the rest of the week and a half um cycling standing up the whole way there and then and then working on my feet for 10 hours and then cycling but <laughs> i was in the best shape of my life after those two weeks so my legs were like yeah. tree trunks right <laughs> yeah but um, but yeah, you know, you 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 find a way. You, there's always a way, and being able to find that way, you know, the you know, there's a book called The Obstacle Is the Way. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, read it, right? And and that, and it, yeah. it is very much uh, that. You know, you either find a way uh, over it, around it, under it, or through it, right? And and you just have to be resilient enough and and um, and not give up and say, well, there there will be a way, right? So I think that's that's one of the one of the key skills that uh, that <laughs> that taught me, kind of thing. You mentioned books again. What are like three to five books that like out of all the ones you read, like they stand out, they stuck with you and you would highly recommend them to others? The four hour work week. I mean, I know it's dated now, but at the time, what it did teach me, uh, it's uh, it's Timothy Ferris. It taught me uh, a lot about entrepreneurship and uh, finding different ways to do things. I mean, you know, obviously in the book, he he started off by uh, mentioning, okay, you can outsource to Fiverr, you can do this, you can do that. But at the time, I had no idea about outsourcing anything to anything. I just wanted, I was just one of those guys that did everything myself, right? Uh, it's a very powerful book in, in, in terms of teaching you um, uh, entrepreneurial skills. Um, and then I would suggest... Any book really by Brian Tracy uh, when it comes to time management and how important time management is, um, uh, you know, that that taught me a lot as well. Because, you know, in the beginning, I did have a tendency to focus a lot of attention on stuff or spend a lot of time on stuff that really, if I, if I, if I divided my time into, you know, first, you know, two-hour blocks and hour blocks, and then eventually, if you can get it down to 15-minute blocks um, and plan out your day that way, you become much more efficient. And you'd be surprised if you give yourself these short time constraints, uh, how much you can actually achieve in those uh, in that short short amount of time. And then, yeah, as I said, you know, the obstacle is the way is a good one uh, as well. There's a book by Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit um, that I think is is a very powerful book when it comes to how to build these types of habits. I mean, whatever habit you're kind of uh, trying to build, whether it be exercising regularly or building your business or being being motivated um to to do certain things it's a it's a very very powerful book and i highly recommend that one as well to people but yeah okay those are good great options this is gonna be a very different type of question if you saw your 18 or 15 year old self across the street walking today what would you tell him save your money man save your money Yeah, I'd say save your money. I would say don't focus on things that don't bring you uh, value, right? Um, and value can be anything. I don't just mean monetarily. Um, you know, it can it can be uh, you know your relationships. It can be your passions. It can be whatever. But just find the things that are important and focus on those. Right? Don't don't waste your time on uh, negativity, and also be very careful with who you surround yourself with. Right? 
I mean, there's that saying, you are an amalgamation of the five people that you are closest to, right? And if your closest five people are all negative, they're all unmotivated, they're all, uh, uh, they're not high achievers or they, they're not, you know, driven, then that's who you are too. It's very hard to, to stay motivated, driven and, and passionate when, you know, the five people around you all just want to go out and get drunk every weekend or play video games or whatever, right? So be very careful with your, your circle. Like make sure that you surround yourself with like-minded people on a like-minded journey. I mean, the amount of times in my life where I've kind of had to step back and go, all right, we're, you know, all, the, all you guys, we're very good friends, but you're not on the same path as me. And I'm going to have to stay, take a step back and, and find a different uh, uh, group of people to, to kind of associate myself with. Because you want the people that surround you to drive you and push you just like you push and drive them as well. Right? And that's a very, very important one is, is be very mindful of who you surround yourself with because, uh, you know, uh, successful people, for example, they, they will never um, look down on you for trying hard or, or trying to make a success of yourself. They, they'll be happy for you, right, when you succeed. But um, people who aren't driven, people who aren't successful, they have a tendency to not like to see other people succeed sometimes, right? And so be very mindful of that. Those, those kind of... Uh, mentalities you know i always tell my daughter you know there's there's it's for her to understand it at her age i say listen you know there's drains and there's waterfalls you know when you're a waterfall sometimes you only attract drains so be very careful with who you who you surround yourself with because you know you're you're an amalgamation of those five people yeah no that's very important now is there anything you want to share that you haven't shared already i think um if you're out there and you don't have a degree or you're just starting out, or even if you're in your thirties or forties or whatever, and you're, and you, you're having to start again, don't be disheartened, man. Like you can do this. It's, it's just having the mindset, having the drive and really uh, putting yourself out there. We all have these tools now. And I think the more tools we have, it, it tends to make people, uh, uh, sometimes it makes people lazier, but if you're driven enough and you use those tools, you can get very, very far. Right, it's all about the network you build, uh, and that goes down to how you talk to people, who who you associate with, and stuff like that. And now with, you know, uh, tools like the new Twitter and stuff, for example, networks are are easier than ever to to build with the right people as well. So so don't be disheartened. Um, no, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're starting again at fifty, it doesn't matter. You can go out there and you can make uh, a good life for yourself and, and reach your goals at any age. It, it, it's all about drive and ambition and, 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 uh, and being able to, to kind of uh, adapt to change. So, so don't be disheartened and, and you can do it. It's, it's, not, it's not a problem, even if you don't have a degree. Thank you so much. This was such a cool episode. I'm glad we met through Twitter. Through right? Twitter, The power yeah. of, you know, just online networking. You know, I, I wish you the best. I wish you the best in your company and we'll definitely keep in touch. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time. 
No degree, no problem. NoDegree.com.